Welcome to Cinema Bushido, badass movie talk about badass movies. I am your host, Matthew Whitaker, and tonight I am pairing my movie talk with an IPA from Pike Brewing Company called the Space Needle IPA. With me, as always, is my hoe from another bro, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. How's it going, Lee? And in particular, what are you having to drink? Uh, good evening. I, uh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm, I was a little hungover this morning, uh, so made made my half day at work quite interesting. But uh, what are you going to do? You know, fuck it. And uh, I am drinking a small batch bourbon, um, a Kentucky straight bourbon uh, called Rebel Reserve. Uh, if you can find it, I highly recommend it. It's uh, it's strong, but it has the color of like an 18-year-old Macallan scotch. And it's quite smooth. Uh, it's quite quite pleasing to the palate. That sounds very nice. Uh, does the rebel thing have like the whole uh, uh, Confederate flag on it, or um, are they are they classier than that? Sadly, no. It doesn't go into the trailer park. <laughs> it, it, you know, it used to have a really cool like logo that kind of looked like it was a piece of paper written from antiquity, but they recently changed it to look more stylized and contemporary, like Scott. Uh, well, it's. I think it still has a cowboy on the bottle, oh, um, well, but no. it had. Then, then you know, <laughs> you know what you're drinking. <laughs> I'm. I have no idea what he's implying there, but I'm aroused to go on. <laughs> Yeehaw! All right. Well, tonight, guys, we are talking about a movie I freaking love. I've loved it for the, my whole god ever since I was a little kid. If you would have asked me before we actually recorded this, I would have told you I saw this when I was a kid in the '80s. Finding out after the fact, uh, that's not at all true. We'll get to that. But we are talking about Enter the Dragon. Um, Maybe the greatest Bruce Lee movie of all time. He did a few. And this particular one was his crossover from Hong Kong cinema into the uh, U.S. cinema. I think it was a Warner Brothers thing. And it took a lot of fighting on his part to make. But, yeah, Lee... Enter the Dragon. Uh, yeah, it was a great movie. Um, I think the thing that stood out to me the most is just how how many tropes I saw in the movie that would be used over and over again. And um, how influential Bruce Lee, the story writer, actor, martial artist, and philosopher was uh, on my life. There are elements in the movie that I saw recurring over and over again that are still used to this day. And I was uh, both humbled and impressed uh, by having the opportunity to take a sober look at a 40-year-old classic. Yeah, it was so beautiful. What what I saw, I'd seen this many times. I probably watched this movie without any exaggeration, probably 20 times. And watching it again, I, I haven't watched it in probably 20 years. So watching it in that first scene, seeing like real life Bruce Lee, like no, you know, homage to him and no, you know, this is uh, this thing or another thing. Like this is really him and it's him acting and it's him for real. I mean, my heart just broke right there. I'm just like, this is it. This is the shit I'm always thinking about, the, the shit I love. It was wonderful. And yeah, let's, we're not going to do this as a play by play through the movie, but let's talk about that opening sequence. That was pretty good, right? Yeah, um, it was very swift. Um, and the other thing I, I thought uh, initially was that whoever was casting, I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but the other guy looked like he, he ate too much uh, too much rice, you know? He looked, 
He looked a little. He looked a little less than. Uh, I mean, obviously he was a martial artist, but obviously he was somebody who liked a lot of carbs. And you know, then you have Bruce Lee, who's just the total opposite. He's, the other guy looks like stoic, and Bruce Lee is just cocky throughout the whole scene. And he's swift, and he's vocal, and the other guy doesn't make a word. And Bruce Lee's cut, and he every inch of him is etched in granite, and he just beats the living shit out of that guy. In a manner that is both disrespectful and beautiful. And that all guy was good, motion. right? That guy was good. Yeah. It's yeah. Because I mean, his name is Sammo Hung. And Sammo Hung was a famous Hong Kong actor. And this was like Bruce. They were also, I guess, good friends or whatever. But this was like Bruce Lee, like bringing his friends into the U.S. cinema. You're my friend, so I'm going to show your bitch tits and beat your ass in front of everybody <laughs> in 13 seconds. Yeah, so that guy had also trained with Wing Chun, which is what, you know, when Bruce Lee was like. Uh, um, like 13 years old or something like that. He started with Yip Man, and they have all those movies about Yip Man now. But, you know, back in the day, nobody had any idea who he was. When Sam Hung, if you look up his, like, filmography, he's been in, like, 100 films, um, zero, uh, of, zero of which anybody's ever heard of. But Bruce knew, like, this was, like, the guy. And he brought him in, and he, I agree with you. When you first watch that, it's just so sad. Like, the guy's bigger than him, but he's not... He's only unfit in that bruce lee is like all pure muscle energy perfection and then this poor guy who could beat up probably fucking anyone we've ever met in our lives is just like (laughs) you said it it looks like he's been eating way too many rice balls and you know hanging out at the cinema they should have kept his name sammo hung in the movie i'd have had more respect for him i I feel like that's a good name for him then i'd be like well you know he's got he's got a giant wang i think that's the appropriate nomenclature in asia for the uh, for the for the penis, and uh, you know, then I'd be like, "Well, he moves a little slow because you know he's got a third leg. You know, he's got to deal with." But uh, it's good to know. I didn't know that Bruce Lee could uh, fill bit parts with very special people. That yeah. just is a point to his charisma. I wonder if Sammo Hung's middle name was Is. <laughs> okay, kill me later. Wait, wait, I don't get it. What's the joke? <laughs> Okay, anyway, so that leads to one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I loved it when I was a kid. It was just so dumb. You know, he he he's there with the, the dude that's recruiting him for, like, the FIB, I'll call them, in this particular case. And, you know, he's like, well, hold on a second. I have to train this dude. <laughs> it was just beautiful, right? Like, the fighting, the, you know, you have to feel it. And he does the line. I've known this line forever. But... You know, he finally gets the guy to fight with a little bit of passion. And he said, how's that feel? And the guy's like, let me think. And he smacks him in the head. He's like, don't think, feel. It's like a finger pointing away to the moon. And, of course, the dumb shit stares at the finger. So he smacks him in the head again. Don't concentrate on the finger or you'll miss all that heavenly glory. Oh, I just love that. It was just so gorgeous. And it's stupid yet hilarious. And, and of course, you know, he rubs his head and... Okay, and he runs away, and that was kind of the end of that. But uh, you have to wonder, yeah, what was your impression of it? That your intuition is your finest instrument. I mean, he's a philosopher, so and he's somewhat superstitious in real life. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, superstitious in the sense that he, you know, he really believed that, like, he was fighting his father's demon his whole life, and... All these other things. So you, when you look at Bruce Lee, you're you're looking at a man who doesn't just see the surface. He sees the undercurrent to things. And if you look at the way he 
he moves and he the way he talked and the the way that he compelled things in his gravity it, things just kind of fell to fell into his gravity and orbited him uh in a celestial not in a celestial sense literally but just he was just a magnetic character in real life that who through his belief and vision of the world as he perceived it changed the world fundamentally far beyond the the grasp of any actor who's ever come or gone since yeah he was he was an amazing force and such a great martial artist and you said it such a personality i mean he was so fucking cool all the time for a little guy he was probably five seven and all that muscle and there was so much power there well i think this movie had really great pacing um we start out it's just simple we're introducing a bunch of people because we're gonna all get together on this island and a bunch of people are gonna have to fight each other so we start with bruce lee a really good intro get into uh, his sister and some horrible shit that happened there. That was a really sad scene. Um, we get to John Saxon, and we get to uh, Williams, and I can't think of his first name right this sec. But yeah, we're introducing these characters, and you, it's gimmicky, you know, so um, John Saxon is the James Bondish golfer that's a karate champion that's also a gambler that just cannot stop gambling, right? And we get on to Williams, who is like a freedom fighter slash badass. I, I read somewhere that he was like um, kind of a middleweight champion, and they found him at some random Los Angeles. I wouldn't, I shouldn't say random. It said that, but you know, things are deliberate, right? Bruce Lee's going to a particular dojo and saying, you know, I want to find this kind of person, and they say, well, check out this dude. Anyway, he's awesome. So, so we we go through this whole introductory to everybody and i thought it went fast and it really it was pretty effective right i noted that the first 20 minutes of the movie were the probably the fastest 20 minutes of a movie i've ever recalled and that um one of my favorite things about the movie is that when they're doing the credits they tell me everything i need to know about roper as a prima donna uh in the credits right yeah. And then and then they give me a sense that I'm in Hong Kong like I'm I'm there. And they give me they also tell me that Williams is going to die first. I mean that he's going to he's he's in over his head. He's he's the guy who uh you know it's funny. I've only seen this movie once and all I could remember was that he dies. Uh but uh the <laughs> the thing is that the, he he looks lost. He looks bewildered and overwhelmed. Like he's out of his element. Like he's in over his head. Uh you you get that sense right away just with just the visuals so that's great directing now granted the movie has some plot holes granted the movie could have been edited better but the thing that i really wanted to say about this movie right off the bat is that this movie is not meant to be the godfather it's not meant to be lawrence of arabia it's meant to be an action film of the martial arts variety and yeah. in that sense it is one of the best martial arts films you'll ever watch in your life it is every yes the everything's pretty generic but when there are there are elements in the story and it's like when you're at a, a river and the and the sun's coming up and you can and you catch a fish and they pop out of the water to to pick up a uh an insect and it's just like one of these bright little moments and in throughout this movie it is littered with bright little moments that are brilliantly done that will affect these kinds of movies for 
decades to come that will be mimicked over and over again. And it's so smart and so cunning and so fun and so quick and done so nonchalantly that even though it goes by in a second, just like that fish, it feels like an eternity and it touches you in some place special that's not inappropriate that you have to testify about in court. The choreography in this, right? I mean, I don't know how they do it. I've watched it slowed down. I've watched it in different angles. Like, how the hell does Bruce Lee do what he does? It is gorgeous. It's it's perfect. I mean, it's the best. I, I, I've read somewhere that um, where a lot of other, like, kung fu movies of the time, they had to speed things up to make it look more badass. They had to slow his shit down. Like, he's too good. Well, he was too good. He was just unbelievable. This is both the genesis of and the zenith of movies where they recruit, instead of actors, they recruit martial artists. And make a story with martial artists. And we live in, in you know, Hollywood, um, having adapted the idea of, of action sequences and hand-to-hand combat, has kind of over the years learned through trial and error how to use camera sequences and choreography to make somebody look tough. But this movie shows you what you the, the unseen. So in real combat... You will tense up. You're always taught to swing wide in training because you will tense up with the adrenaline and your swing will not be as wide. And everything from their form to their speed to their reflexes shows that everybody in this movie really had spent years of their lives dedicated in martial science, to borrow a term, and that they were dedicated in that. And this is a this is an element of film that is lost today. Oh, you're... You're right. Every extra in this, I'll throw you a little tidbit. They were all from like local like um, groups, like local kung fu kung, karate groups in Hong Kong. Um, all of the characters knew martial arts. All the main characters that were actually doing martial arts. The one I'll say they're maybe not Han, but I won't. I won't go as far as to say that. I'd have to look it up. But you could tell the rest of them do. And it's it's perfect. It's perfect technical. It's perfect like. They weren't trying to impress people with what they thought. You know, when you watch today, what they do, they get like an MMA guy and they put him in a movie or that girl, like, uh, uh, what's her name? I can't think of her name. She's an MMA uh, fighter and it's not the same kind of fighting anymore. So there's nothing exciting about watching it. There's nothing exciting about watching people wrestle around on the ground with each other. And an occasional hit here or there may feel like it has some impact. This had impact. Like every punch, every like faint, every every move it was fucking insane this is when people came out of these movies and they said i want to become bruce lee yeah it's an, it's it's a it's an ascension of of the mind and the body at work you know and you one of the things that you'll notice is that they don't really take they're not really going too easy on each other because after years of being in the dojo and blocking their bones have calcified thicker than ours and one of the most brutal parts of doing any kind of full contact martial art is is blocking and practicing blocking all the time. And it hurts and you ache for days. And um, and it's a painful process. It's a, it's a process of, of metamorphosis uh, that all these actors exhibit. And the thing that I like the most is that everything today is so polished. Like I see a fight scene and it's like, all the camera angles are done so beautifully and perfectly in a way that not only do the, all the main characters 
look good doing it, right? They all look like they're all great and they've all had like a 15 minute like session on how their form should look. And then they, they do it all beautifully and all the cut sequences are just perfect and all the sound effects are just perfect so that it's, there's no, there's no grit. And in this movie, there is grit. This movie looks like people who were fighting. Like the girl who's running from that mob, a rapist, is straight fighting, and oh, she is yeah. running through the area, and she is, and she is dead. She, she, you can see not just in her, not just in her movements, but in the movements after she's done, when she first takes these steps after every time that she's been doing martial arts for decades, oh, for yeah. at least for years and years. You can I see mean. It. And you can't see that anymore. That does not. That is a premium that Hollywood will not pay for you anymore. Yeah, it's become way more like then. It's like, well, how do we fake this? We can't. So let's let these guys just beat on each other, and we'll record it. And cool, done. And now we're doing the exact opposite. It's like, well, what's? How can we make it look really pretty? One of my favorite actors is Jason Statham. Jason Statham is a cool motherfucker. He looks awesome. I love watching his movies. But I in no way ever believe he's actually a badass. There's just no way. You know, we had people, like, I think the closest we come to something like this, we loved the fight choreography of uh, Bloodsport. It was beautiful. They did the same kind of thing. Um, They seemed to slow things down so you could really see the connection between particular moves. We loved that. We talked about that at length. That's great. This, they're not even slowing it down. I mean, that Jean-Claude looks realistic. He fights realistically. Bruce Lee. Well, the, along with the speed and the the grittiness of the film, I like the fact that in the middle of the fights, there's like echimosis or bruising that appears throughout fight sequences. Um, and I like my favorite scene personally, if we're going to jump ahead. Um, well, I have two favorite scenes as always. I never have just one, guys. Come on. But um, the, my favorite scene that's a fight scene is when he's when Bruce Lee's character has already infiltrated the the heroin making lab for the second time and he's been caught and he just make he just wastes like ten guys like in the blink of an eye he's just and it looks fast it looks legitimate it doesn't look like everybody's just waiting their turn he's just like. He's just he's he's created his own martial art. You got it. There's a hit. He flips back another hit. I mean, these guys are falling down, and he's yeah. he looks like you said like this isn't like chill. He's fucking tense as hell, right? This game, this this movie affected not only other martial arts movies. It affected video games. Like video games to this day do things that he. If you've ever played a Tekken game, you've played as Law or Lee or whatever his name is, and he is Bruce Lee. He does the scissor kick that Bruce Lee does. He he makes the noises. He's Bruce Lee. You he does he you could taunt and dance around like Bruce Lee does. I mean Bruce Lee changed the world. And he did it while being a badass martial artist making movies that people don't even watch anymore. Okay, two things to your point. So first off, about, you know, the the speed and style that he's using. Accordingly, like in real life he was a teacher in San Francisco. He was teaching a lot of the guys in Hollywood, people like Steve McQueen. He uh, he was criticized by another teacher and kind of called out, like, I'm going to fight you, that um, he was teaching non-Chinese students Wing Chun. And Bruce Lee, I guess, according to the story, he won the fight 
in like three minutes or something like that. But he was a little bit pissed with himself because he's like, sure, I won, but I, I cut, my hands were kind of swollen because of the kind of punches I was using. And he's he was like, this is kind of a weakness. Like, I want to do something else. So he came up with this style, um, notes here, it's called... Jeet Kune Do. Jeet Kune Do, right. And he thought it was more practical for street fighting. So he wanted this style of no style that kind of got rid of the rigid constraints of Kung Fu. And he could just, you know, you didn't have to follow a perfect kata. He could just, in some cases, you know, punch the shit out of somebody and win. And... I, I don't I thought that was really neat. Secondly, second thing is that um, there are lots of articles out there that I've read since we decided to talk about this movie. You know, they, they show kind of a side-by-side. This is Mortal Kombat. Like, Mortal Kombat was like, God, I loved Enter the Dragon. You know, Goro being Bolo and whatever else. But, you know, it's a lot of ripped-off characters from this particular movie and a lot of ripped-off ideas. You would have to talk more about that than I would. I've seen Mortal Kombat as you have. You've lived it a bit more in your life. I didn't see it the same way, but I could see what they mean. Goro could be a Bolo rip-off, and obviously the main character in Mortal Kombat is a complete Bruce Lee rip-off. Well, I, I actually, so when I was watching this movie, I thought this movie influenced a lot of movies. That we've done actually, uh, Mortal Kombat, uh, Bloodsport, and also uh, actually the Octagon. And I thought, uh, yeah, definitely there were there were elements that reminded me of Mortal Kombat. The idea of going to a secluded place, the feast, the 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 grounds, um, the idea of like these of like this one uh, Chinese person, you know, being a uh, the 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 key to everything, yeah, and and the kind of like the Shakespearean um, Jean Luc Picard way that the that the actor has uh, has their diction and the way that they voice everything or or regality that that affects their speech, and uh, and then on top of that, I I wanted to say that um, I I actually had a Jeet Kune Do book and it was mainly all stretches. But the, the volume I had, there was more, there's a lot of them out there. Right. You had one of like 50. You had the first one that was like, here's how you stretch. And number two would have taught you how to punch people in like the street. I still do some of the stretches <laughs> to this day. I always uh, have. Um, and, I, I, and it was very, you know, instrumental. But the thing, when it showed me actual fighting moves, um, it was just basically three or four pictures. There's no, it's just like pictures, like one two three four like from completion and it's like doesn't matter if it's Bruce Lee fighting like one giant white guy or two giant white guys or a white guy and a black guy or whatever and it's just him moving in and hitting you either in the dick or the throat the whole time like he's just he's just punching people in the dick and the throat the whole time why not yeah really sensitive spots on the body yeah I was like this guy is a dirty fighter. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, I don't know. I was 14, 15. And I was probably 16 when I got the book. But I was like, this is, this guy is like, has no sense of chivalry about, about fighting. And, uh, and uh, to this day, I, I marvel at the fact that Bruce Lee made his own martial art. He beat, I mean, he was, like you said, he was called out. And after he beat the guy, the guy like crippled him after his back was turned. Uh, but Bruce Lee beat this guy who was so supposedly so great 
and Bruce Lee in, invents his own martial art while he's crippled and he's learning how to walk again. He married a hot lady and he did whatever he wanted, dude. He lived, he, he, he it's like the old uh, Sinatra song. He did it his way. And, you know, as, as common folk like you and I are who don't have that kind of a destiny, it's, it gives us a sense of, of living through him vicariously in a way that stimulates the embers of greatness that we don't often stoke. Nicely said. All right, so this is 2016. Um, I'm going to bring up, they brought John Saxon into this movie, Roper, because they didn't think Bruce Lee could carry it by himself. They wanted a suave honky to be like the main guy they wanted you know the guy you're gonna be mad but that's my favorite character by far no that's fine that's fine he he was a um a suave badass motherfucker that was good at karate he had done some karate he wasn't at any level like uh jim kelly or bruce lee or probably anybody i mean bolo was well trained bolo had been in a ton of films but john saxon was cool as fuck and he was he was sweet like when Jim Kelly first gets on the boat when Williams first joins the boat I loved the way he's received by John Saxon John Saxon all the way through this film is a sweetheart he's cool he's awesome but again they thought this can't this is a Hong Kong movie it's a, the whole production was done in, like in Hong Kong with Hong Kong people like the sets were built by 500 Chinamen like taking scrap wood and making like the the jail cells and stuff. The training grounds were like these big uh, tennis court areas and all this stuff. This was like a low-budget, lots-of-hardcore-worker kind of film. John Saxon was cool. And Jim Kelly, I wanted to say, so we start with John Saxon. They introduce him. It's a ripoff of James Bond in some way, you know, the cool dude. Jim Kelly, when I watched this when I was young, first it taught me um, racial epithets I should never have learned. But secondly... I didn't like him that much when I was young because I just thought he was too cocky. Watching it again uh, in 2016, I he's fucking awesome. He's like the, the freedom fighter. He's the badass motherfucker. He's the only one complaining about, like, oh, slums throughout the whole world. They're always the same. They stink, you know. He's acknowledging poverty, and he's obviously a repressed motherfucker. I mean, that was his intro, right? these shitty cops coming up and treating him poorly. And and I wanted to point out one thing I took in a note, which is really funny. So they give him shit. They're amazed that this uppity black person's able to even have a passport and go somewhere. So he goes ahead and hands them their asses. And then he steals the cop car, Grand Theft Auto 5 style. <laughs> I laughed out loud when he jumped in there, siren running and drove off. We had done that just last night. You know, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I, I had forgotten the word jig. I had forgotten that was even. I, I had forgotten that it even existed, you know. But, uh, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, jigaboo!" And then I was like, "I can't believe I'm watching a movie where they say this jig has a passport." I couldn't believe it. I was both amused because you know I'm a terrible person, and like astonished. I couldn't believe that Warner Brothers made a movie that said the word jig in it. And, and I'll throw out what you said on our last podcast, which I think hits at home. It's important to see things like that because we cannot gloss over the fact that the people of those times acted said that. that acted that way. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't change it today to make it more like pretty or something and pretend that these guys in the 70s, these cops in the 70s in Brooklyn were like sweethearts and called no. everybody yeah. love. No, they were dirty 
racist cops. They're still they're still like that today. I mean, forget yeah. it even happened then. But yeah, you said it. Yeah, it was so funny. I I mean, like I that was one of my favorite scenes. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you probably think I'm a terrible racist. But uh, you know, I just I just like it when people say racist things. I think it's funny because it's like. We're not allowed to say that anymore, but it's funny because it's like it's both devastating to hear and yet eye-opening to hear. Like, wow, like the world existed like that and people didn't give a fuck. Think about this. Think about this. There aren't a lot of racists in this movie. For a time when race is a pretty big deal, you don't hear uh, John Saxon Roper saying anything particularly racist. Uh, Jim Kelly, he's kind of gone against, but he's not. Like... It was pretty light. I'm surprised with even the the police brutality thing there. Well, Jim Kelly Williams brutalizing the police. That once they get to the island, it's I I you'd almost expect Han to be like, "Ooh, a black fighter" or something like bringing up something about race because it was pretty unusual, right? You know, I hadn't anticipated that, but that's a good point. I mean, I know that that people in general have preferences. I mean, today in today's world, it's kind of got too far about what racism is or what sexism is or whatnot. But I mean, I get your point that you know it's it's there's a sense of equality throughout the movie in the world of martial arts, and I think that's always kind of rang true. I think that you will accept them on the field of battle or in or in the 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 plane of competition where you're going to compete. And I think the Olympics shows that. I think it's just something where. You might have your own little, like, perfect little uh, realm of, of jokes that you have for the people that you're fighting against or that you're competing against. But the moment you the moment that things get real, all that washes away, all that dirt washes away to the to the real bedrock of, of what's at the heart of the matter, which is one man versus another man in some respect. And and even if you lose, there's no sense of dishonor because you lost because the guy's black or because the guy's Asian or whatever. It's because you lost on your merit. And it's, and it's a meritocracy, and there's something honest and beautiful about that. All right. Well, I wanted to throw out um, one other scene on the setup. Um, I don't care so much once we get there. We'll talk about our favorite scenes. Um, but I wanted to throw out uh, Peter Archer. He played Parsons. Parsons was that shitty strong jawed guy i think he's actually like australian or something but he was the one the fighting without fighting and they made him go into the boat i thought it was hilarious um one line in particular he comes up and he sort of swings his fist in bruce lee's face and he's like he just says don't waste yourself and i thought that was awesome then of course the the joke right oh it's the art of fighting without fighting and he mocks him in a you know fake Chinese accent and he eventually puts him on the boat and all the kids just torment the shit out of the guy until they get to the island. We get to the island, it's time to fight, right? It's great. Uh, we have gambling going on. There was like an Asian uh, Hitler looking guy that the guys are fight like the guys are gambling with as they fight. It was pretty funny. It gets pretty dry. Um, we're getting into the, the bigger story. You could tell this was written in such a way like, okay, we got all these setups now we're getting to this island where there's drugs underneath and so we're gonna have to figure out what the hell we're gonna do with this a big feast blah 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 not a lot to talk about um i'm gonna i'm sure you already know my favorite scene it might be your favorite scene we'll get there um that said it it gets a little boring right like we're we've got 
prostitutes coming with all the guys. Like, we want to keep you inside. I don't know. We've gone from the the most awesome setup slash um, already badass kung fu stuff to, oh, God, we're in a 70s, like, drug lord movie. How dare you call them prostitutes? They're comfort women. <laughs> comfort Fuck. women. I, I that was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. How dare you? I I I, I thought that was great. I was like, yeah, these guys are are uh, apex predators in the in the, the the species of Homo sapien, and you know, hey, they're gonna bring in some ladies, and they're like, hey, the Williams is like, I need all of them, and I was like, fair enough. And then uh, you know, Bruce Lee's like, I need the one that's the secret agent spy lady. Uh, which was clever, and then uh, Roper was like, "I need no, no, no. I need, I need the one in charge." You, you proved my point though that it's really all about pushing the story along, keeping the guys inside, and he's going to meet with the spy lady so we can keep talking about something no one watching this cares about, which is that Han is a drug dealer or drug maker, distributor. Who cares? I'm just saying that. Yeah, it, they might have short, shoehorned that in that you can't have guns on the island, but you can sure as hell make a bunch of heroin. <laughs> right. uh, but, I mean, to me, like, the fact that I get a little side boob and then I get a little naked butt, and then you get to see more naked ladies and you're just like, yeah, yeah. And then it's then outside of the naked, the tastefully done naked scenes, you also get, like, the implied sexual uh, content. And you're just like, yeah. Totally. I I love me some sex. So, you know, it's like it's 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 beautiful in in multiple ways. The movie did not, you know, one of the biggest scenes that movies make today is to not include enough fucking. And I for one either implied or through like a little bit I just need a little nudity of a pretty girl. Just show me a little bit of a pretty girl. Just a little bit. Just you a little bit. I read about um Top Gun. Top Gun the movie completed without um um, Maverick ever humping Kelly McGillis. And the test audiences were like, that's fucked up. Like, we watched all this. I think at the time there was a lot less tolerance for homosexuals, so they're like, we don't want Maverick to be gay, and you didn't have him have sex with the lady, so what the fuck? So, like, months after, like, three to six months after they finished filming, they brought Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis back together to film the Take My Breath Away stupid sex scene. Is that nuts? One of the best parts of the movie, actually. Oh, right. So you were you would have been in the test audience going, I think we just got ripped off. <laughs> it's like it's like Bruce Lee's just about to roundhouse and instead he sits in a chair. They were like, uh uh-uh. uh. We want the roundhouse kick. We were promised the roundhouse kick. All right, I didn't want to waste time. That uh, you have something else to say about that? Because if not, I want to go to favorite scenes, and I have a beautiful top six for us. Let's just do the favorite scenes, buddy. All right. Well, my favorite scene, without a doubt, and it might be yours, although you already said yours was one of yours. You always have five. One of your favorite scenes was the the lady comforts, uh, whatever. <laughs> Comfort women. How dare you be insensitive to them? Uh, just, they, they, they play a vital role in society, uh, especially uh, that is Asian. It's it's a it's a term that was used in South Korea for essentially the the government paid women to be prostitutes. I've heard all about South this in multiple yeah. countries, and, and I and I I think it's a it's a very you know what the thing in the uh, in the in the legions that's that served in under Julius Caesar. Um, 
you know, one of the jokes was that the, his legionnaires always smelled like perfume. And he said, I don't care what they smell like so long as they're there to fight. See, I come from the other realm here where I think it should be the other way around or something. Or maybe nothing like that. Because women are badass motherfuckers. I know this is a movie about a bunch of men fighting each other. Except I love the fact that Bruce Lee's sister kicked as much ass as she did. Like, she knew she couldn't go against O'Hara. Which is why my favorite scene, of course, is him beating the fuck out of O'Hara. First off, it's beautiful, right? It starts out, they're standing there bow o'hara goes ahead and punches a piece of wood just like in his cheesy fucking black and white videos bruce lee chill as can be boards don't hit back the guy just kind of grunts like a he's a little bit happy like yeah cool you're right i can't wait to punch you and then he never gets a chance <laughs> it was the best scene ever they line up they go wrist to wrist tournament style ready to go before O'Hara could even move. He's getting punched in the face. Not only once, twice, three times, fourth time he blocks. Bruce Lee uses this cool fucking, like, pushes his block out of the way and hits him in the face again. (laughs) This guy can't win. He knew it. He fell back. He's like, shit. We watched, um, well, I shouldn't say we. I watched a, a censored version. I got some, I had some cheesy old VHS tape that I was watching. I don't know where I got it from, but... It didn't have the scene that I remembered from when I was young, which is that um, O'Hara came, comes back with um, a broken bottle and tries to kill Bruce Lee. It was a really big deal because in reality, he cut Bruce Lee's hand in one of the takes, and it was a really deep cut, so he had to be banished for a while and all that. But yeah, he was a weak motherfucker, and he decides to get a weapon because he knows he can't win. He always knew he was weak. I mean, that scar on his face, his stupid... Ugh, I hated that guy. <laughs> anyway, um, he knew he couldn't win. He comes after him with a weapon, and that makes Bruce Lee m- more angry. Kicks the bottles out of his hands, kicks him into a bunch of other people, jumps in the air, lands down on him, and murders the shit out of him after he tries to kill him. In the real version, the original version, uh, you can hear Han yell, you know, Aura! like reprimanding him before he even started going down the path of being a loser. But it was a beautiful scene. That scene stood out for me for all time. Yeah, he, he kicks him with emotion. And the, the brick not, the uh, the board not hit back is completely um, plagiarized or in homage to the blood sport. Uh, that's good, but, you know, the brick doesn't hit back. Oh, you're right. Yeah, made they... all the more impressive by Bolo Young. Uh, man, you know, my only critique of this movie, I only wrote one, which makes it a pretty good movie. I'm a very persnickety fuck. Um, my only critique was that there was not enough Bowler Young. Oh my god, I I can't tell you how much more I love Bowler Young seeing him in two movies. I'm just like, man, the world has been cheated by lack of Bolo Young. Do you know that Bolo took his name from Bruce Lee? Like he appreciated so much his character in a Bruce Lee movie. His real name is Yang Zi. And he loved that he was Bolo, hated or loved, whatever. He didn't care. The public knew him, and he was a special person. And he is a special person. He's fucking awesome. But he took the name Bolo Young. He took a character name from a Bruce Lee movie and made it his real name. That's beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. Uh, Favorite uh, scene? 
You know, I, I mean, obviously, I like the the scene where we see Bruce Lee just kind of cut loose on multiple people. That's Ooh, beautiful. It's good. And then we got the Jigaboo scene, or Jig scene, which just made me, it just, I mean, I got red. I never get red. And I was like, wait a minute, Jig is a fucking racial slur. What? I haven't heard that in, I don't think, I could like, I've only heard it like twice in my whole life, like, in any kind of, like, media. I was like, whoa, oh yeah, that's right, that was a bad word. And then, um, I, I think, uh, outside of all that, my favorite is, is before the final death of Khan, or Han, we get a uh, we get a scene where they show the Wolverine like attachment, mm-hmm. and the, and then like when the everything turns to shit, he busts out his little like claw that's like made of wood with like some feathers on it or something, and then he like he gets his ass beat and he runs inside and Bruce Lee goes to chase him down and he whips out the Wolverine claw and you're just like oh yeah now and then I was looking around the wall at all the weapons. That Bruce Lee had access to, and he was like, "Nah, dog, nah, I'm gonna beat your ass fists only." And Bruce Lee whoops his ass with fists. And I love the part where they go in with all mirrors, and that reminded me of Conan the Barbarian, which stole that scene later on uh, in one of the Conan movies, where they show the all the room with all mirrors, and uh, he goes in there with all mirrors, and you can't figure it out. And then Bruce Lee starts breaking the mirrors, just like Conan the Barbarian would do, like a decade later, and then boom. He beats his ass, and then he, he... My favorite part is when he just fucking sticks that spear right inside of him. Just like, yes, bitch. He impales him. And then, like, I was hoping, like, when he walked up... Because he walked up kind of like he was coming up to Han. And I was, like, hoping the whole time. I was like, just break his neck anyway. Just to be a fuck. And he just fucking walks up and kind of looks at him and then just pushes the revolving Spin, door. Spins the door. Yeah, yeah. but I, that was my favorite scene. But I was, like, the whole time I was, like, if I was directing, I'd be like, no, you break his fucking neck. Totally. Just do it to be a dick. It'd be so funny. But it was a great movie. It's yeah. a beautiful movie. Yeah, I thought um, it was beautiful. Well, sir, are you ready for the top six? I've had like ten drinks today. I'm perfect. Good. Let's do this. Perfect. Let's I do am, this. And and let me. I, I love to ask this ahead of time because I think it's um. I don't know. Maybe it's cruel, and I'm a cruel person. Do you think you're gonna win? <laughs> I love your evil laugh. And you know, you know, you know, it's, we know it for the listener, Ghost and I, or Matthew, as you might know him, we, we have a kinship where I'm an evil person and he's an evil person in some respects. And uh, I just love the fact that he, he has the most delicious evil laugh. He says evil person. It's a villain laugh because we're, we're both, we're like buddies that are villains. Well, I, I mean, you call me Satan, but I, I think that in your own way, you're like, you're, you're Cruella de Vil, but with a pimpy. He, he, he really is Satan, by the way, guys. Yeah. Uh, up to this point, you've been listening to these podcasts. You have been listening to Satan the whole time. Surprise, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> he's in your house. He's in your ears. He's talking to you. Oh man! It, it's because whenever temptation comes across his his doorstep, I always tell him to open the door. Yeah, you know? for sure. And I was like, "You should always do something inappropriate." Of course. And that's why you're going to lose at another top six. Have you ever won a top six? I don't believe so. Because first <laughs> of all, six six is the number of Satan. But um, bum bum. But but I. My favorite number is five, so right. I've always been kind of offended by that. Well, but let's, go see. On. let's see what, how we do tonight. So, top six. 
Whew, at number one, at one hour and 12 minutes and 19 seconds into this film, a famous Hong Kong actor makes a cameo. It isn't actually the first time he makes a cameo, but it's the longest part in the movie where he makes the cameo. The story goes that he was in another scene as well, where Bruce Lee inadvertently hit him in the head with a stick. They laughed and laughed and became best friends off camera, as it's always said after somebody dies and you've met them. Who was that person in the cameo? He was the guard that discovered Bruce Lee underground. Kind of, but what's the name of the actor, the famous Hong Kong actor? You know, it's only because of my integrity that I don't Google that. I don't know. I have no clue. You know I don't speak Chinese. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan is in this movie three Dude, times. Dude, what? Oh, no way. Jackie Chan. Uh, I gotta go watch it again. Jackie what? Chan, Jackie Chan's in this movie three times. He's in the opening scenes with the do- the sister. Um, what's her name? Um, Su Lin. Su Lin uh-huh. knees him in the nuts. Like, he's, like, trying to hug her. And she just, like, whaps him in the nuts with her knee and he falls backwards. He's in another scene where he attacks Bruce Lee, and you barely see him, but he hits him with the uh, he, when he's holding the two sticks. What do they call that when you have the two um, half staffs? Whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a term for that. And any uh, martial artists that are listening to this uh, podcast right now, they're like, "Fuck you!" It's called they're this. yelling at it. Yeah, I'm gonna hit you with those next time I see you. Yeah. All right, and the last time he shows up, it's a really good one. That's at one hour twelve minutes nineteen seconds. Um, Jackie Chan jumps out of the shadows and he grabs onto the back of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee kind of spins him around, grabs him by his hair, holds him for a minute before he breaks his neck. Three Jackie Chan scenes. So Jackie Chan um, later in life talked about um, how he was a stuntman. And he, he'd, so this was already 1973. Um, Jackie Chan had been imitating Bruce Lee, like being the fake Bruce Lee. 10 years prior, like Bruce Lee had already done a bunch of movies in Hong Kong and Jackie Chan was kind of the fake Bruce Lee. So it's interesting that Bruce Lee eventually, I'm sorry, Jackie Chan eventually became um, comic relief. And who knows if that would have happened with Bruce Lee as well. Probably not. He had integrity, but there it is. Number one. Rumble in the Bronx, my dick. (laughs) Rumble in the Bronx. Don't touch a black man's radio. (laughs) What do you think you're doing? Okay. Number two. Can you guess how many mirrors were used to set up the hall of mirrors? And the one little caveat I'm going to put in there, it's a ridiculous number of mirrors. I'm going to say 415. It was really good. Over 8,000 mirrors were used no, to set up the God. hall of mirrors. Where the that climax that scene place. was good, though. <laughs> for real. That, I mean, 8,000 mirrors, I can believe it. That scene was good. Story has it that all the actors became nauseous while filming because of all the goddamn mirrors. I believe it. I got nauseous watching it. That's All good. Right. All right. Number three, multiple choice. Oh, for two. I feel like the Cleveland Browns already again. Yeah. You really, um, you, you only need three to win, so you still have four chances. So I've got like a 0.76%. Let's do yeah. this. Yeah, you got it. All right. Number three is a multiple choice. I know you like those. Last time yeah. I gave you a multiple choice was like uh, podcast two. We must have been doing... Um, must have been doing Highlander, or maybe it was in the original. No, you no, know, it was in Bloodsport where he gave me a multiple choice. I got, I got it right with uh, the. It wasn't the Goonies. No, it was no, Revenge that, of the that Nerds. Was a one. There was one where I was going to give you multiple choice, and you started answering right away. So then I received. Oh, that was the age of Bolognese <laughs> in the movie Bloodsport. There you go. You were like, wait, but no, I have a choice. I'm like, no. had I known he, I couldn't remember. You know, I, the only thing I, re- I'm telling you right now, the only thing I remember about this movie is seeing. Uh, 
is seeing Williams die. That's the only thing I really remembered in depth. Yeah. A lot of it was not very memorable for like me when I was like 10. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that part was pretty traumatic, right? Because if I had known that Bully Young had been in this movie, I would have guessed about 10 years earlier than I did. All right. Or 10 years later, I mean. Sorry. Having a little of my uh, Pike Space Needle Golden IPA. Um, okay, so this one's a multiple choice. What were the alternate suggested titles for Enter the Dragon? Ooh. A, Blood and Steel. B, Hans Island. Three, a C, C... The Deadly Three. D, all of the above. I'm going to go D. Boyum, You finally got one! Yeah, so all three. Like, they really pushed on Blood and Steel. So one, Blood and Steel was actually my favorite one that you listed off. I was like, that makes perfect sense. That was sense. the original title, and um, Warner Brothers had a really big problem with calling it Enter the Dragon because it sounded like a kid's movie. So then they started just dumping shit on him. How about Han's Island? That sounds good, right? Like Gilligan's Island, but Han... No, you don't like that? How about the Deadly Three? Because you and Williams and Roper, right? And Bruce Lee just kept going, like, doing that thing he does. Like, finger up, wagging at him. Mm. Finally, they were like, fine. Enter the Dragon. Which actually doesn't sound like a kid's movie. So it just sounds like a yeah. porn porn version of a kid's movie. I don't agree, but go on. <laughs> Number four. How long after the film starts do the opening credits finally display? We'll say seven minutes in. Good enough. Eight minutes and 30 seconds. That means you got two out of four. If you would have said like a minute or would have said 20, you would be hit. Seven minutes well, is close we have to we have to do this after you gave Staven a point for not getting it right on the when Ghost no, Dog right. speaks in the last one. So you're you right. have to give that to me now. It's, no, no, no. no, no. Steven and, and said the stage I, for me being lax about exact times. Around. Analogy as my jurisprudence. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, wait a minute. My jurisprudence says he gave it to somebody else for being close. So you got two now. You got two now. You have two more questions. You have to get one more of the two. This one, in my mind, is pretty easy, but I'm going to make you get closer. You have to be within one number of this particular one. Hold on. This is how you know Ghost became a cut. Go. One of our favorites. How old do you think Bolo Young was in Ender the Dragon? Okay, so he was 43 in 1987, which means in 1973. Okay, the one. Hold on, I need to go consult my laboratory here. We're going to have to consult some massive computers. So in 83 minus 76. It's a lot of math for somebody who's about to so, fail. So. In 83, or excuse me, not 83, 87. Let's see, <laughs> 73. There we go. I've been drinking a lot. I just want to point that out. So uh, you're still going to lose the one on the eight, so it's going to be four. You got one, one variance around his actual age. Yeah, so I'm going to say he was 14 years difference. <laughs> he uh, was 13 years old. No, 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 I haven't seen he 14 years old. He was eight years old. Years old. <laughs> no. He was eight. Uh, so then, uh, you know, I would say he was. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he was 28. All right, you got it. He was 27. Bam! Yes. You just you just won. You want the last question still? Yes. I feel like I feel like. <laughs> Don't think I'm cutting that out. I think uh, I think Lee just had a heart attack and died. 
know, what happened is I, I knocked over my mic. He found but a that, new place to put his alien butt plug. You gotta cut that out, for real. Hold on. No, seriously, I need you to pull it out of your ass so I can hear I gotta, you. I gotta grab something real quick. Are you six ready? Are you ready, six for, are you ready for number six? But I just want to point out that the number six is like the number of Satan, and you call me Satan. But that was your little. You already said that, like earlier. Yeah, but that was that was your little that was your little favorite number. That's not mine. So, so you like you like doing six three times, right? Six. No, I like doing I like doing five, which is the. Well, that's because most of the shit about Satan is fake. It's to fool people. It's like based on paganism and the Christians trying to go against paganism. Of course, real Satan, you, your favorite number is five. Five is truly the number of the beast. People just don't know it, and they do things with fives, and they don't realize that they're giving you power. You are a terrible fictional writer. Go on. All right. What other skill do you think Bruce Lee had that led him to winning a television championship show? When you say a television championship show, hold on. Let me. Yeah. Think. So, what other skill do you think he had other than martial arts that Bruce Lee cooking had? Oh, Great answer, but no, you were absolutely fucking wrong. Bruce Lee won the 1958 Hong Kong Cha Cha Championship. He is a dancer. Okay, so he he won the Cha Cha in China, in China, which means he won. Oh my God, what's wrong with you? So he run. He, it's like winning the pasta competition in you know africa that doesn't mean anything he doesn't that doesn't mean he knows no no, no that's not true the hong kong are serious about their dancing and he won the cha-cha competition in 1958 on television in front of everybody he probably went ahead and kicked some people's asses while he was there he's a badass motherfucker hey is there any way i could get you to drop like 500 more things in your house so we could hear it bounce off the floor that's going to be our new show where we just listen to stuff bounce off your floor it's it's you know it's the tile. <laughs> if there's any way you can get your dog in the room and have him start barking, no, dude, barking at the my stuff neighbor, you drop my on neighbor, the floor. My neighbor said that I saved their iPad, and they bought me a bottle of a whiskey. You cunt. <laughs> okay, so uh, reality. Um, let's finish up. So yes, awesome. You won top six. I'm really glad you did. Um, I joke around how it's funny to uh, see you lose them. I don't design them that way. I design them in a way that I think it's going to be interesting to listen to. And I think there's a chance, right? Any just quick final quip you'd like to throw in about the badassness that is Enter the Dragon. If you've never seen it, go see it. Yeah, I'll say it's not a movie that has a gentleman whispering uh, in his mind about ninjas. So you're already winning. He's talking out loud about stuff and what, 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 what? It's in there, in there. Ninjas. <laughs> I'm sure if Bruce Lee would have been alive to watch the Octagon, he would have said, Fuck You know what pissed guy. me off the most about about this is that like I saw Octagon after I saw this, so I couldn't piss on the Octagon that much more. No. I'm like, you're, you're a student of Bruce Lee like seven years before you make your movie. You have Bruce Lee making basically the same movie, and you fucking can't get it right? There's even a tree jumping scene. Yeah. There's even a tree jumping scene! All right. Well, thanks, everyone. You know where to find us. Uh, look for us in the comments. Uh, Evil Twin Ghost took on phonics and uh, cinemabushido.com. Thank you.